Okay, we will be in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 21 today. But before we do that, a couple things I want to just point out because we're in that period between the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse uh, 3, it says, to, the, to these he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking to them things concerning the kingdom of God. So during this 40-day period, Jesus appeared to his disciples and others various times, but there's a period of 40 days between the resurrection of Christ and his ascension back to heaven. And then, then there's another 10 days between his ascension back to heaven and Pentecost, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that came upon the apostles and then everyone that became a believer in Christ from that point on, even today, everyone that is a born-again believer is indwelled with the Spirit of God and that is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that began at Pentecost. So you've got a 50-day period between the resurrection of Christ and Pentecost and a 40-day period between the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. Okay? So we're in that 40-day period here when we're talking about the events after the resurrection. Now, we know that in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus appeared to the women of Galilee, he says in verse 10 that Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid and go, go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. So we know that he told them through the women of Galilee to return to Galilee. But we know that they didn't do that immediately because on the first day of the week, we know that Jesus came and appeared in their midst when they were in the evening. They were gathered together. Uh, the disciples were gathered together. And Jesus appeared to them without Thomas being there. So in John chapter 20, he appeared to them uh, and, John, and Thomas wasn't there. And he showed them the scars in his wrist or hands and the scar in his side. And, uh, and Thomas, they, were, they told Thomas later and Thomas said he would not believe until he saw for himself. And then it says there in verse 26 of John chapter 20, After eight days again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, and the doors having been shut, he stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger, and see my hands, and reach here your hand, and put it in my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you, be, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. So this was their... Eight days after the resurrection, so this would be on a Monday night, um, when they were in the same place where they were gathering in Jerusalem. They haven't left for Galilee. And so this was the second appearance of Jesus Christ to them uh, while they are still in Jerusalem. Now, after that, Jesus departs from them. And at some point, what happens is in chapter 28, verse 16 of Matthew but the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. So obviously Jesus told them to go to Galilee, then he would meet with them again in Galilee. And so the eleven disciples, whether they all went together or they went individually, they all returned back to their homes in Galilee. So we're talking about in this 40-day period. So we don't know how long it took. We don't know the, the extension of time. But there was a length of time between the time they left Jerusalem and the time they got together back in Galilee. Now here's what happens when they get there, and evidently it had been some time between Jesus appearing to them in Jerusalem eight days after the first appearance when Thomas was there until now. 
And we know that this was the third appearance of Jesus' disciples because in John chapter 21, verse 14, after he appears to them with the occurrence with we're going to talk about, it says, this is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So there seems to have been a length of days between the eight days after his resurrection when he appeared to them in Jerusalem, and the, they went back to Galilee, and they have not seen Jesus, it seems like, in a very, in, in, at least in a, several days. The time has gone by. And so here you have the, the occurrence of, of Peter... And the, some of the disciples standing by the sea of Galilee, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 21 of John. And after these things, Jesus manifests himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and he manifests himself in this way. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and, and two other of his disciples. And Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and they, that night they caught nothing. So it almost seems that you get this picture that Peter and the disciples had gone back to Galilee, and they'd been hanging out, and nothing happened. Jesus said he's going to meet them in Galilee, but they've gone back, and nothing's happened. And it maybe be a week, maybe it's two weeks, and they've been sitting there, and nothing's happened. Finally, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm just going to go fishing. I've been, we've been sitting here. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Nothing's going on. I'm going fishing. So Peter and then they go out into the boat and they begin, they go fishing. Now we know this occurrence happens. This is the third time Jesus appeared. So he didn't appear to them in between the time he saw them in Jerusalem at, with, with Thomas. And now he hasn't appeared to them. And so they go out on the boat and they go fishing. In verse 4, it says, But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side, right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. They cast, therefore, then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. The, that disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. So here it is. They've gone fishing, they fished all night, didn't catch anything. Jerry, how is it when you fish all night and you don't catch anything? <laughs> it's discouraging. You've been fishing all night, there's no catch, there's nothing on, on. Um, nothing's happening. This is, you know, this is their life now. They went back to Galilee, they, they had been with Jesus for three and a half years, and everything was going great, and then he died, and then he's resurrected from the dead, and now they don't understand what's going on. He told them to meet him in Galilee, and now... He hasn't come, so they go fishing, and they catch nothing. And then Jesus, this man, appears on the beach, and he asks about their catch. And then he tells them instructions. You don't know how to fish. Let me tell you where to fish. So he tells them where to fish, and they catch a great fish. And so John tells Peter, this is the Lord. But the other disciples came in, uh, and so, so Peter, like he does, he is very impetuous. He put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, and dragging the net full of fish. And so when they got up on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. So here Jesus has come to the Sea of Galilee to meet his disciples, at least this part of the disciple group that's there fishing during the night. And so here you see that Jesus demonstrates his deity, his sovereignty, his power, his provision. 
for his disciples. Again, another teaching lesson for his disciples that they're going to need as they get commissioned to become his apostles during this time. So Jesus is saying by his actions of providing for them in a miraculous way a catch of fish and then demonstrating to them that he is the Lord, God, he is deity, he is sovereign, he has control, and he will provide for them. All that they have need of, he will be their provision. They need to trust him. So here is a teaching lesson for, uh, for the disciples, and he demonstrates his desire for fellowship with them by fixing breakfast on the beach and eating a meal with them and cooking the fish and fixing them a breakfast to demonstrate, again, his care for them and his concern for them, even as he is preparing to leave them and go back to heaven. Any questions about the timing and what's going on here? Who knows? He was not manifesting himself at this time to them during that time. And so it seems like there was quite a, uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, so uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't give us any indication of what Jesus is doing during the time that he is not physically uh, manifesting himself to them. Okay. So when they had fished, in, in verse 15, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. Now here we have a play on words. You, you've probably heard this about the word love. When Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? He says it in the Hebrew word agape, agape. Do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I phileo you. So there's two words, agape for love and phileo for love. And basically, agape is a love of sacrificial devotion, of me placing myself into your will. And, 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 and that's kind of what the word means. It, it is um, the love and joy that comes from being in someone else's will or being devoted to someone else. And so it includes sacrifice. It includes giving your life for God. It's, it's that kind of love. It's God's love that God gave when he gave his son. God gave his agape love for us in that he sacrificed himself for us. And then he is asking, Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me this kind of way? And Peter, whether he doesn't understand totally what Jesus is getting at, but the only way Peter can associate that is with a phileo love, which is a, a contentment to be related in a friendship way, in a caring way, in a, in a relational way on that level. And that's what the word phileo means there. And so, uh, so, so Jesus, and Jesus tells him to tend my lambs. Now, this is, this is the first indication that Peter is going to be used of God in a mighty way to be one of the leaders of the apostolic group to lay the foundation for the church. And so he's asking Peter, or he's telling Peter, of his desire for him to be the leader in establishing the church that's coming. And so he's giving this indication here. And then Jesus said again to the second time in verse 16, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Again, using that word agape. And Simon again says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, using the word phileo. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. So this is the second time. Why do you think Jesus did this three times? 
He denied him three times. Three times Peter had the opportunity to declare that Jesus Christ was his Lord and that he was with Christ, and three times Peter denied him. So three times Jesus says the question, do you love me? Now the third time, it's, it's, it's kind of curious, the third time when you see when Jesus says, um, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He doesn't use the word agape, he uses the word phileo. And it's almost like Jesus saying, okay, Peter, if you're not willing to devote yourself totally to me, are you willing to at least fellowship with me, be my friend, and love me in that way? And Peter is grieved in his heart. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. So here we have Peter being confronted by Jesus personally. The other disciples are going to be also commissioned. But Peter is the one right now being confronted because he had denied Christ. And Jesus Christ had appeared to him apart from the other disciples, evidently, by himself after the resurrection. And now Peter is being exposed by Christ as the one whom God is going to use. Now you go back to, remember Matthew 16? When Jesus is, is asking the disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And Peter made that declaration, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, because he was given that by the Spirit of God at that moment. And Jesus said, upon that rock I will build my church, which is the rock of the declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God. And then he turns to Peter and says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, which means he will give you the, 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 as the one disciple, the one apostle that would open up the, the doors to both the Jews first and then the, the, the Samaritans and then to the Gentiles. It was Peter that began the church in all three of those groups. So he was the one that opened the door up for those to enter into the church and become a part of the church. And so th this is, Peter is important. Because he is the, the leader of the apostolic group that begins the church. And so for the Jews in Jerusalem, this is going to be in key that Peter is the one that is lead. And so at Pentecost, he's the one that stands up and he's the one that declares the truth to the, to the, to the Jews that are coming there, speaking in their own languages that he doesn't know, but he's got the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in the languages so they will understand the truth that God is giving him in their own language. And so Peter's the one that, that takes the lead in all that. Because, and he's the one that Jesus is, is pointing out. Okay, so here's the, the point here. That Jesus has, asked, Jesus has asked Peter three times, do you love me? And he's talking about, do you love me in a way that you're willing to die for me? Do you love me in such a way that you're willing to give your life for me? And to serve me with a, un, with a, un, a devotion that is unwavering. And so here, Jesus goes on and says... Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not want to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So here's what he's saying. He's giving them clear understanding to Peter what this agape love that you're going to have to love me with is going to cost you. You're going to be persecuted and you're going to be martyred for your faith. You're going to shepherd my flock. You're going to start the church. 
you're going to begin the church, and you're going to lay a foundation of the church, but then you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be put in captivity, and then you're going to be killed as my servant. Now, follow me in spite of all that. That's what the love that I'm requiring of you, asking you, is going to cost you. And that's why it's got to be agape love. It's got to be a, God, a love that goes beyond just a committed to a friendship, a committed to a relationship. It's a love that is committed and devoted to the will of God. And that's what you've got to have. You've got to follow me. That's what you're going to need. Now, Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him and the one who also had leaned back, leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, is the, is the one who... Lord, Lord, who is the one who betrayed you? Speaking of John. And Peter, therefore seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So, so Jesus said, Peter, you're going to die. You're going to die for me. And Peter turns around and looks at John and says, well, what about John? I mean, why me? What about John? And so Jesus says, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That means every individual Christian has his own cross to bear. Every individual Christian has his own life to lead that is manifested and led by the Holy Spirit. You're gifted by the Holy Spirit to do the work you've been given to do. Peter's work of an apostle was the gifting of the Holy Spirit in his life and, and what he was going to have to go through as his, as in his ministry would lead him to his death. It doesn't matter what other Christians are going to do. It doesn't matter what God's gonna, how they're going to use him. And Jesus said, if it is my desire for John to remain until I come again, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, you do what you're called to do, and you obey me, and you follow me. Now, when Peter and the rest of the apostles are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, they don't question that any longer. They're willingly sacrificing themselves to be what God called them to be, as they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be His witnesses. And we'll see that in just a minute. So, that is what it understandably means when Jesus calls the disciples and commissions Peter in this way. And so, He didn't say that John was going to live until the second coming. He said, if I choose for John to live the second coming, what is that to you? Okay. Now, the commissioning, and go back to Matthew 28. Yes, because I'm doing the same. I don't have a video Bible. So the Great Commission evidently was given to these disciples while they were still in Galilee. Okay? The eleven disciples proceeded, verse 16, to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubting. Now here it's talking about when evidently after they had met on the seashore, they went to a place where Jesus designated where he was going to teach not only the disciples themselves, but the other group. So in 1 Corinthians, hold your place right there. In 1 Corinthians 15, you don't have to turn there, but if you do, when you're, Paul is giving a description and an understanding of what the gospel is, he talks about the ones that saw Jesus after he was resurrected. So in verse, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, it says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, 
by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised,